In the church that I grew up in, it was tradition that baptism occurred when someone had reached the age of reason. And so a person could therefore make a conscious decision about becoming a Christian and could choose for themselves to be baptized. And so when I was seven years old, I announced to my parents that I was ready to be baptized. My nine-year-old sister and I were going to do it together, and we went to some of the classes in the church basement, and there were some Bible stories that we did some reading, and I can't remember all of the details, of course, but I do remember being called into the pastor's office one day, and he asked me to recite a few Bible verses that we had been asked to memorize, and I froze. I remembered a line here and a line there, and I'm sure he was gentle with me, but my failure to recite scripture at age seven was enough for him to declare to my parents that because I couldn't memorize those necessary verses, he wouldn't baptize me. I think really to my seven-year-old self, I thought, I'm not good enough to be baptized. Now, I know that's not at all what the pastor intended, and thank goodness, because if any of you know me still, you know that I am horrible at memorizing scripture verses. <laughs> I'm pretty good at paraphrasing, and I have John 3.16 down pat, but I do marvel at people who have total recall and can recite chapter and verse at a moment's notice. But here's the thing. I knew in my heart, I knew to the very depths of my soul that I was ready to be baptized. The adults in the room just weren't on board yet. The pastor told me I should wait until I was nine, like my sister, and I smiled and said, okay. And then I waited till I was 13 just to make them nervous. <laughs> I figured I'd show them who was boss. While I was definitely more mature at age 13, I am reminded that the faith required of us at baptism is not, baptism is not a mature and perfect faith, but a beginning of faith, a mustard seed-sized faith, faith that comes to Jesus like little children, faith that will develop and change and mature as we do. Now, by the time that I did get baptized, we had changed churches for a variety of reasons. And as I stood in a pool of water at the back of the church with the pastor on one side of me and the youth pastor on the other side of me, me in a long flowing white robe with my orange one-piece speedo underneath, <laughs> the two men held me as they dipped me into the water and then lifted me back out again. And I remember coming up out of the water feeling exactly the same. <laughs> I wanted to feel the Holy Spirit. I wanted doves flying and angels singing and all of it. And in fact, I did feel joyful, which is something that has stayed with me always whenever I consider my place in this family of God. And joy, my friends, is no small thing. And there is something else that I felt alongside of joy, and that was this overwhelming and immediate sense of belonging. One of our greatest needs as human beings 
is to have a sense of belonging. And it is far deeper and more meaningful than belonging to your family of origin, or to your book club, or to your church, or to your sports team, or your gym. In fact, I believe that our desire to belong to something greater than ourselves is a spiritual longing. And it is knit into our very souls by the one who created us in the first place. Searching for our spiritual home is hardwired into us. Jesus said, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. That's John 18, 37, by the way, in case anybody's wanting to write that scripture down and memorize it. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Baptism is an outward sign of our inward decision to follow that voice. The voice of truth sees you exactly as you are, as you are meant to be, and the voice calls to you. That is your truth. And if you've ever heard God's call and someone else tries to tell you that you were wrong, man, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> that is not who you want to be listening to. You listen to the voice of truth. That is the voice that sees you and knows you and loves you exactly as you are. Baptism itself is not the act of salvation. That you receive the moment you believe and acknowledge God's saving grace in your life. From the book of Acts, we know that when a man approached Paul and Silas asking what they must do to be saved, Paul answered simply, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, period. And immediately after that, the man and his entire household were baptized. Baptism is an outward sign of our true belonging. John the Baptist, at the time of Jesus in the first century, was a prophet of God who was calling the Jewish people of faith to repent of their sins, to confess their sins and be baptized by water. The interesting thing is that Jews didn't practice baptism for the forgiveness of sins, although there is a long history of ritual cleansing in the Jewish faith. In Judaism, the mikvah is a pool of water that is used for a variety of rituals. And still today, weekly purification by immersion in a mikvah is a common practice for some in the Jewish community for special occasions and, and other notable events. But John's baptism was different. This was not a purifying ritual that might be done many times over and over again. John was performing a one-time baptism of the Spirit. That is, it was an opportunity for people to turn their focus entirely back to God to renounce their former ways and give themselves over fully to following God. John was preparing them for a new way of living as God's people. He was, in his words, preparing them for the coming of the kingdom of God. So imagine John's surprise when there on the banks of the Jordan River stood the long-awaited Messiah the one whom John was telling everyone was coming. And so he says, wait a minute, Jesus, I can't do this. 
It's you who should be baptizing me. And I think that John's comment came not just from a place of humility, but from confusion, a concern even. Wait, you're the Messiah. You are without sin. Why would you need to be baptized? Jesus didn't need it. He didn't need it in order to repent. He didn't need it in order for forgiveness. Jesus was baptized as an act of obedience to God who had spoken through John the Baptist. Jesus was baptized as an outward sign that he was the son of God. He belongs to God and to anyone forevermore who would also choose to be baptized as a sign of faith. The message is clear. We belong to him. We too offer our baptism as an act of obedience. Looking back at my 13-year-old self, I'm certain I didn't grasp the full meaning of that. In fact, looking at my 55-year-old self, I'm not sure I grasped the full meaning of it because who can grasp the fullness of God's knowing and God's intention for our lives? But what I believe is that in our pursuit of Jesus, in our following and in our desire to follow, we continually come into a deeper knowledge and understanding of him and of what it means to belong. As I mentioned, I believe that belonging is a spiritual quest for us in an effort to find a landing place for our souls. It's not necessarily, where do I fit in, but more of a, where do I long to be? The social researcher Brene Brown says that true belonging can only happen when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. And that because it requires, belonging requires us to be authentic, she says our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Do you start to see the wisdom of Jesus' command to love God, love others, and love ourselves. True belonging requires self-acceptance. If you've ever had to spend some time someplace where you felt you didn't belong, it's most often because you probably felt you couldn't show up as your true self. Whether this occurs in a classroom, or a boardroom, or in your family of origin, it can be a painful and lonely experience. And this is often what people mean when you hear them say things like, I was in a room full of people, but I felt very alone. Belonging is an inside job. It requires us to love ourselves unconditionally and to acknowledge that before anything else, before anyone else, we belong to God. Because God, who is and was and ever will be, is your spiritual home base, your guiding center, the one in whom you can always trust and rely on. Knowing that kind of acceptance, feeling that deep down in your bones, allows you to show up in the world as you are, which in turn allows you to find your people. Come as you are. You already belong. 
At Snowmass Chapel this past year, we started a series of ads, and one of our most popular was simply, where you belong. Well, of course, we mean you belong here at Snowmass Chapel, where you're welcome exactly as you are, celebrated for your differences and what makes you you. We also mean this is a place where you will feel the activity of the Holy Spirit moving and embracing you as a member of the family of God. But there's another thing about belonging that I want to touch on this morning. We don't truly belong to anything unless we are willing to jump in and do some work. I remember when we received our exchange student from Italy a couple of years ago. She received instructions from the organization that was sponsoring her exchange, and they said to her, you know, just from day one, be part of the family so that it's easier to assimilate in. They said, do the dishes, jump in and help with the chores, shovel the snow, join in the conversation around the table. In other words, to truly belong, involves participation. Now at our baptisms, most of us have answered a series of questions about living out our faith. If we were infants and we didn't answer for ourselves, of course, our parents or grandparents would answer these questions. And, and in here, this is the book that we use, the words of the baptismal ceremony that we follow here at Snowmass Chapel when we baptize are likely very similar to the words that you heard at your baptism because it follows the words and the intentions of baptismal covenants that have been happening since the days of the apostles. These are some of the words. Do you renounce evil? Do you renounce sin which draws you away from God? Do you turn to Jesus and accept him as your savior? Do you put your whole trust in him? Do you promise to follow and obey him? Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ the Son? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Stay with me. There's a few more. Answer these as we go along. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? Will you resist evil, and when you do fall into sin, will you repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you love your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? This is what we say together every single time someone is baptized into the family of God. And it reminds us over and over again of our own inward desire to follow Jesus and to follow all that is right and good in the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul uses the word baptize when talking about the exodus. He says, our ancestors were guided by the cloud and they passed through the sea. And in this way, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Paul then goes on to tell us that Despite this baptism, which is the word he uses, the people fell into sin. And he tells us to heed this as a warning. He says, in essence, your baptism is a big deal. You are now part of something, and you have some things you need to uphold. 
If you are baptized, he says, in essence, you belong to the people who are now together journeying towards a new creation, towards the kingdom of God. Now, I also love the way that the message translation of the Bible reads when quoting Paul on the same subject of baptism in Romans 8. It's written this way. The best thing to do is to give this old life a decent burial and get on with the new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life, it says. It is adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. That's the message translation. In baptism, God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. Our response to the relief of knowing who we are and where we belong is played out in our baptism. As we lean into the commitment of the words that you just heard, the words that we made on that day that we make over and over again, as we lead, lean into that, whether those words were said by us or for us in proxy, we now, moment by moment, are participating in bringing about the kingdom of God. And along the way, a miraculous thing happens. We begin to change and we change the world with us. I met a man several years ago at a homeless shelter. The youth of Snowmass Chapel at the time had prepared dinner, and I was chaperoning them as we went to serve the dinner, and I struck, struck up a conversation with a the man there. He had long gray hair, and he was missing a few front teeth, which was hard not to notice because he smiled all the time. When he found out that we were from the chapel, he told me, that he had recently been baptized. And he said, since then, everything's been different. This man, he, said, he told me, he had been an addict and an abusive husband, an abusive father his whole life. He said he had been angry and raging at everyone and everything. He was living in the back of his truck on the banks of the Colorado River when he started going to a local shelter where he met a pastor from a church in Newcastle. They started talking about God, as pastors are known to do, and one thing led to another, and pretty soon this man was being baptized in the swimming pool at the Glenwood Rec Center. The way he told it to me, all toothless grin and excitement, he said, you can be a skeptic, you can tell me I'm crazy, but the moment I came out of that water, I was a new man, he said. Every bit of that anger and resentment and rage was gone, he told me. He said, I had ruined my life with drugs and alcohol, ruined my family and relationships because of my rage, and every single ounce of that was gone, he said, and it has never come back. He looked at me and he smiled and he pointed at me and he said, that's what God did. That was about 10 years ago, and I don't know what's happened to him, but I do know this. Scripture tells us that God, who began a good work in you, will see it to completion. The work had begun for him, 
The faith was proclaimed. The baptism was performed, and day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, he, like us, is freed. Freed from the life we once lived, free to live knowing that we have been, been given a new way. In my baptism, and in yours too, and in the baptisms yet to come, where God might even now be whispering to you, there may not be actual visible white doves and shafts of light landing on our shoulders, but there is the voice of God, the voice of truth welcoming us into a new, spiritual, forever home, and that is right where we belong. Amen. And before we turn our attention to our prayers this morning, I want to remind you that last week Robert started asking folks to um, kind of think about the things in your life that you find most challenging and hard to change. The things that you can't change but God can. And this is our God can. So if you were here last week, you might remember we invited you to do this. And, and if you're, you're here this morning, please join in this. In your bulletin, you'll see a place where you could take sermon notes. And if you weren't copiously jotting down everything that I said, you can use that space to write down prayers that you just want to offer up to God, something that you're struggling with, that you found, find yourself stuck on, uh, someone that you'd like to pray for. And during communion, we'll leave this setting up front for you to add those in. It's a very powerful thing, and I want you to know that our whole staff prayed over these intentions this week, just in the can. We didn't take them out and read them, but we just feel the power of that as we prayed over each and every one of these intentions. So please join in that in just a few moments. Uh, when you come up for communion, you can add them into our God can. So let us pray. I'd like to invite you now to just take a few moments of silence and to reflect on your own commitments of your baptism. Call to mind your own role in bringing about the new creation. Let us pray.